Turn your book to what now? Turn. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> That's retarded. Oh, I'm already recording. Okay, whatever. We'll just go with it. <laughs> Welcome to Devote 101. We're going to do our best not to interrupt each other and just talk about what God's done for us. Uh, I'm Nathaniel Donaldson, and uh, we got a good one here today. It's been, I know it's been a while since the last episode, so I'm going to try to keep this uh, a regular basis as long as it's God's will and everything. So... Who I have with me today is a, it's a good man of God. Um, I trust that he's going to help me through this, and I know he's got some good stuff to add to this, but I have uh, Zach Parker with me. And, uh, Zach, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to be able to be a part of it. All right, man. Well, I don't have a game like the last episode, so I'm just going to tell a little story. And I know you, you like this kind of stuff. So anyone that watches sports or has been keeping up with the NBA the past couple of years, know about the Philadelphia 76ers, where uh, they went through a, uh, I almost gave it away, they went through a, a time where they were tanking. If you don't know what tanking is, that's just pretty much where a team just tries to lose as many games as they can to get a high draft pick. And if you don't know what a draft pick is, you need to get out from under your rock, but I'll tell you anyway. So, uh... The higher the draft pick, the better the prospect is for an, for a basketball player. I don't remember the GM's name, but he was just saying we have a process that we're going to go through, and we're trusting that this process is going to work. And no, I can almost tell you that nobody believed in this process. Nobody trusted this process. So the process for the 76ers actually began in 2013. Their first draft pick was uh, Michael Carter-Williams from Syracuse. He was a pretty good player, too, really good defensively and everything. And actually, in his debut against LeBron James in the Miami Heat, he did really good and actually helped the team beat the Heat. Um, and actually had a really good season to start off. They really were doing great. But as the season, you know, went on, they kind of just fell off and couldn't really get a streak going again. They really just did terrible. And they actually finished the season with a record of 34 wins and 48 losses, just missing the playoffs. The next year, they drafted Jeremy Grant from Syracuse. Uh, K.J. McDaniels from Clemson University, which was a really good player as well. Alfred Payton from University of Louisiana, who actually they traded to Orlando. And last but not least, Joel Embiid, who actually got injured before the season started and didn't get to play his first season until two years later. With all the injuries and the inability to really function together, they finished with an even worse record of 19 wins, 63 losses. The next year, they drafted a player from Duke, Jaleel Okafor, he was a really good offensive player, but he just really couldn't fit into Philadelphia's system. And with that inability to really function together, they finished with 18 wins and 64 losses. The very next year, they decided to draft Ben Simmons from LSU, which, you know, they figured that he was going to turn the season around for him. But actually, the very last game of the summer league, he twisted his ankle, and after an MRI, it showed that he actually fractured a bone in his ankle and didn't get to play that year. And with all the injuries and lack of ability to function together, they finished with an even worse record of this process with 10 wins and 72 losses. The very next year, they decided to draft Markel Fultz from the University of Washington, which something just happened to his jump shot. He really just couldn't shoot right. It looked ugly, and there was something wrong with it. He was a really good shooter in college, but the 76ers just didn't really want to admit what was wrong. They just kept saying, we're working on it, we're working on it. 
but they eventually just had to trade him. They finished the season with 28 wins and 54 losses. And finally last year with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid healthy, Ben Simmons was playing like an all-star and Joel Embiid was absolutely just dominating the post. And the 76ers were really starting to get a groove on their wins and everything. They were just playing like a really great team. And actually, they finished third in the East last last year and actually beat the Heat in the first round with four games to one. But they did get swept the very next round by the Celtics. But the process is really starting to show. So a lot of people were just kind of like, maybe this process is good. So now they do have a chance to possibly go to the NBA Finals. I don't know if they'll win it, but going against Golden State, but we'll see how it goes. And, yes, I just made a bold prediction there. But... <laughs> you got to forget about the Celtics, though. Well, nah, I don't have faith in them right now. I really don't. But we're going to get into the nitty-gritty now. You're speaking the 76ers, I think. Uh, there was a kid that's got family. He was living in Dallas that got, got uh, drafted to the 76ers. Well, do you know his name? He come from Texas Tech. Texas Tech. I don't know the name. Look him up, but he, he got drafted this past year, this draft. Yeah. The thing about being in the NBA, though, is kind of like you're just a pawn. You get you Yeah, you get sent all over the place unless you prove yourself. If uh, any of you couldn't tell, what we're going to talk about today is trust the process. That's the title of today's uh, devotion. So if we're going to talk about trust, I think the best thing to start off with is just the definition of trust. What is trust? And I have here, it says, the belief that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, or effective. Big emphasis on effective. God is the full embodiment of this definition. You know, he is reliable, he is good, he is honest, and he is effective. But you kind of need to ask this question, why is it so hard for us to trust him? Talking about God. Um, primarily, I just think that this environment today has just been programmed to not really trust a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so you ask why is it so hard to trust people? It's just like, well, you don't know if they are reliable, they are good or honest or effective. The only way you can trust somebody is if they are those things, if they prove it to you. Well, even if the thing is if God proved it to us, why is it still hard for us to trust him? That's the question. You know, that's a, <clears throat> that's a weighty question. It can go, it can go a lot of ways. Yeah. You could expand on it for, man, for possibly days. But uh, I know we're in, I know we're in a straight for time. So, but I'm 36 years old, and I've, <clears throat> I don't know if you call it a, a fortunate or not, but I've been fortunate, in my opinion, to see a lot of things, and. uh I went through a divorce, I mean, not a divorce, my parents went through a divorce, excuse me, at a very early age, so I've, I've seen my daddy and my mother married two to three times. I buried my daddy, he died at 50 years old unexpectedly, uh, fought two combat tours in the Marine Corps infantry. Uh, my little boy's got, uh, he's a nonverbal autistic, so that's a challenge. And to say all that, I just kind of wanted to, you know, Anybody listening, you know, because a lot of times we put we uh, we want to judge the speaker by where they been, you know. Do do they do they have the do they have the right, so to speak, to speak on something of this nature? Yeah. 
But to go back to trust, what <clears throat> what I've seen in my life, and I'm just going off of memory now, I can remember a time when hard work was a common thing amongst Americans. And people, as a, and families, we got together on, on holidays. We got together after church. Uh, I mean, everybody loved one another. Everybody trusted one another. It wasn't this competitiveness that we have now. And... And, he, and back in, it was a known deal. You get up, you work hard, and you live the American dream, so to speak. You kind of had a proud, competitive spirit to you, but nobody took offense to it. Well, now, where I'm at, after being out of the Marine Corps and working in the you know, civilian world, there's a competitive spirit amongst everybody. Somebody's always trying to one-up the next one. Yeah. Somebody's always trying to do this to, you know, and that breed, that's a breeding ground for untrust. And us as humans, we're programmed to interact with humans. We go off touch, feel. We go off our five senses, so to speak. Well, God's a spirit. Well, if you're not in tune with him, you don't feel him. You don't hear him. If you're not in his word, you don't talk to him. You don't know what he's got to say. So I think we go off more off of what we see and how we're programmed. And a lot of and like I say, this could have went a lot of ways, but, you know, trust issues is, is being bred in the workplace, in schools, just amongst everything. I mean, because I don't know, it's just, and like, and like in, a, in a veteran's case, is, uh, you, take, you take veterans that's been in, a, in, in combat scenarios, is, especially like what we're fighting right now, it's called guerrilla warfare tactics. You know, you get hit, and you don't know who your enemy is. Yeah. Well, that just kind of closes you off to everybody around you except those that you really know and trust. So it don't really open the door up for outsiders to come in because they may hurt you. Yeah. And I think we carry that same weight with us a lot of times in the church. And like to trust God is just that. Hey, his word says, as far I, I got it wrote down, and uh, it's it's said in Psalms too. But and uh, let's see here. In Second Samuel twenty two thirty one, as far as God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in Him. And that's much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. I know I expanded a little longer than what I wanted to, but things is coming to me. But by all means, jump in. And... No, I think it's just kind of like the the fear of the unknown too. It's yeah. just like you don't know where you could end up because you just don't don't see where this process could be going. You know, um, you know, I've had things where it's been it's it's taken a a good while where God's just like let me t- let me let this process go through. Because my work's not done here yet, and it, you, you'll see later, but you won't see it. You don't. You ain't gonna see it now. And I think that's the problem with a lot of us as a as a people today. It's just like we want things in the now, not later. And you know, when it's not now, we just ask, you know, when God, when. And that's where you kind of need to ask yourself, like, are you living in the present moment, or are you trying to skip ahead to the end result? And that may not make sense asking that question immediately, but I thought of something earlier today when I was thinking about this. It was, 
had, let's, let's just say you go from, you go through a trial, however long it takes, and you get to the finish, finish point, and you learn some things. And see, I, I went to, when I, back when I worked at a job, I, I, I hated that place. I literally hated that place because it was so ungodly. I couldn't, I mean, it was either cussing or bad talking or just, just some negative, just negative aroma everywhere. And I mean, I know that's nothing compared to you, but we all, I mean, we all have different lives and things and it's, it's only some things we can handle. But see, when I was there, it was very hard to live for God because it would just felt so ungodly there. And it was, I couldn't even feel God in that, in that place. Like I couldn't even, it was almost like he was so far away that I was sliding back some. And so I wanted out of that place and I prayed, God, you know, help me find a job where, you know, I can at least have some sanity, you know. I was going to school too at that time too. I mean, I still am, but I, when I was going to school, I was more concerned about getting a job. I applied to like 20 different places, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe less than that. But it was in the, it was in the teens. How many places I applied to, and you know, my grandparents said well, you, you'll get it at the right time, you know. But maybe God wants you to go through something, and. You know, my girlfriend told me that too. She said, like, maybe God wants you to go through, and she set a process before you get there. And I didn't see it. I didn't want to go through no process. I was like, I just want to get there now. I've been here long enough. I've been here almost three years. I've been working at this place almost three years going through that. And, you know, it'd, be, it'd have some good times where it's like, oh, it seems like it's getting okay, but then I get right back down low. And, you know, I, I just didn't want to go through that process. And then finally one day, Two jobs had called me and they asked me something. They were like, are you in school? And I was like, yes, yeah. so well, we can't have you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I just got so frustrated with how it was just kind of like, I was almost like, God, why are you baiting me? Why you, why you let me bite and then yanking it out real quick? And I think it's kind of like, just let me know that I can get you one, but you've got to trust me. Just let you know I can get you one. I just gave you two little examples but you just gotta trust me first, and then I'll get you the good one, a good one, or whatever. And so I finally got to the point to where I was just like, okay, you know what? I have to accept this. However long this is gonna take, I just got to, I, I just gave up looking for jobs. I was like, I'm just gonna go to school, focus on my schooling. When I'm there, I'll work. And finally, after four months later, a job called me, and it was a job I had applied to. Uh, six months ago or something like that it was a while back and I was like he was like are you still interested in a job and I was like absolutely and <clears throat> when I got off the phone with him I was like so thankful to God but I kind of thought about it I'm like why <laughs> why now like why this long because I was just now getting to where I was okay with my job I was able to endure it I was able to have enough patience and I kind of thought about that he wanted me to go through those present moments where I would learn to have patience with him, learn to have endurance, learn to take things from people when it's not the easiest. And I kind of thought about that. Well, that's a process. It wasn't just show me patience. It was showing me that I can endure things, but I didn't even think I could endure it. Um, you know, because God, God will never put more on you that you can handle. No. And that's kind of crazy to think because it's almost like t sometimes you're like, I just can't handle it. It's like, you think about it. God's like, yeah, you can. That's why you're dealing with it. And 
you know, you, when I want to ask that question, why did you make me go this long? My grandfather told me something today. He said there was this lady he knew that was in church. I don't remember what church. I don't even, I don't even know if it was this church. He said she was sick pretty much her whole life, all the time. But she was faithful to God every day. And she had asked God one day, why haven't you given me my full healing? Like, she'd been healed a little bit, never got the full healing. He said, why, why, why haven't you never given me my full healing? And he said to her, if I did, you you backslide. She's kind of like, mm. Well, if he'd give it to me now, I probably wouldn't be as thankful for him as going through it then, going through that time. You know, because I've been through some things that's taken about six years. And, you know, that taught me a lot of stuff. Had it, had it been immediate, though? It wouldn't have made any sense. It wouldn't have been, had no meaning to me. No, you wouldn't have had to work for it. Yeah, wouldn't have had to work for it. You know, you, you was, I mean, many things was passed through my mind, but, you know, I thought about, you said trust. You brought up the aspect of God doing a process, like working on you to shape you, to fix something wrong with Nathaniel before he could promote you another step in your life whether it be a big promotion or a little promotion, it doesn't matter. God will never get the card ahead of his horse. So if you got to take the same test over and over again because you're hard-headed like I am, <laughs> he'll make you do it because he don't believe in giving free passes. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. But, you know, you know, the Bible says that we, not to compare ourselves amongst ourselves because that's not wise in doing so. And I think that's where a lot of our trust issues come is because we compare ourselves to what others are doing and then, therefore, we take our eyes off of who we're supposed to be looking at. But me and my brother had a talk similar to this on the way home. And we was talking about, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Brother Marvin Trees, Brother Marvin Trees, he was a, he basically was like one of our, if you could say we had a actual theologian in the, in the oneness, the oneness movement, he would be one. He would be the man. But that man had back trouble. I can't remember how many surgeries he had, and he laid on the back. He died with back pain, and he was a worker for the kingdom. But the one thing about it was he made God his center, and God took care of his circumference. You can't have a center point without a circumference. You can't have a circumference without a center point. So fully trusting God when we really say we fully trust God, this podcast can't be long enough because you, you, you mentioned earlier, the fruit of the 76ers process is starting to come to fruition, right? Yeah. When you're really trusting God, he's the center of your life. Everything revolves around him, and he makes your circumference. So everything that you got going wrong that you think's bad for his glory, and a lot of times we can't, and I'll be honest with you, I can't, there's a lot of things I can't put an answer to. But he sees the big picture. And if it's for his glory, it shouldn't matter to us how long it takes. And I know that's hard to say, but hey, that's the truth of it. And, you know, you can think about uh, Mary and Joseph. You think about what they had to go through, just a little bit of the public talking about them or, Go away on further back in the Old Testament. Go through Joseph's life. You know, he had a dream. And his brothers hated him. Jealousy took over. 
he had to suffer many things, but guess what he did is all for the glory of God because God set him up to save his people. You take Noah, poor old Noah, man. He built a, he was told to build an ark when it ain't never rained. He took a lot of grief. He looked like an idiot building an ark in the desert. But he trusted the process because 120 years later, guess what happened? It saved him and his family. Yeah. I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost now. I mean, when God tells you something and his word backs it up, that's something I would like to say, a little tidbit of wisdom I would like to insert here. If you ever think you've got a word from God and he nudged something to you, if you can find it in the Bible, you're pretty well confident that it come from God and you can take it to the bank. Now, I hope it don't take 120 years. We don't yeah. know, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, that process for the for the Seventy Sixers, it it set an example, and it showed a lot of people, uh, all the other teams, all the other twenty nine teams in the NBA, that a few years process does work. You see a lot of other teams tanking now, which I don't know if that's the best thing for the NBA, but they're trying to get good, great too. Now, it doesn't always work for them as fast as they think it would. It may take even may take twenty years, but you know, I mean, that's that's the thing for us. People can see the process that we've been through, and I mean, that's the power of our testimony. That's right. Telling people about this long process that it's taken. And, and you don't see it. I'm sorry, but you yeah. don't see it. You, a lot of times you may feel under par. Oh, yeah. But you don't know what other people's watching you, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why we got to keep going, man, because we don't know what kind of glory God's getting, and we don't even have a clue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... But you're talking about a process, and one more thing, like you just take Marine Corps basic training, you know, just simple basic training. You're bringing kids in from New York City, from Louisiana, San Diego, Wyoming, North Dakota, Michigan, Indiana, all over the 50, 50 states of our, of our nation. You're putting them in one little place. they different backgrounds, different culture, different lifestyles, different hobbies, different race, different religions, some of them is actual Russians, some of them's Afghanis, some of them's Iraqis, some of them's from China, China, Japan, but they live here in the state. Mm -hmm. And you become one cohesive unit, but the process is rigorous because you're coming from a lifestyle of basically doing what you want to, you know, a soft society to somebody that, uh, to a process of, and you, they can't even step together. One of them take a step. I mean, it looks so funky. Yeah. But it's a beautiful thing at the very end of it when you see all of that diversity as one working. I mean, it's so beautiful. You can hear everything's in step. Everything's in sync. They all look. To, I mean, it's 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 a it's really a sight to behold if you ain't ever seen it. Hmm. And it's all started with a process, and it wasn't a pleasant process. I can add that. But at the end of it, you can look back and say, like, man, I can see the transformation that took place. That's the same way God's got to do us. He's got to put us on the old motor. What's that? What's that? The old potter wheel? Yeah. And he's got to mold you. And the process ain't never going to be fun. Yeah. And sometimes I think we stay on that wheel longer because we're hard-headed. Yeah. Also, I think sometimes he thinks you may need to start over. I think so, you. Oh, this you didn't, you didn't, you didn't form the right way, or go the right way. So I'm gonna have to tear you down, and start you over again. You know, and that's what takes it longer sometimes. It could be because 
we're, we are stubborn and we don't see what God's doing and we just don't want to go, we want to go against it. And then, you know, God's like, well, now you're just making it longer. I mean, that's not all the time, you know, but um, he also may put a a process in front of you or a trial in front of you to stop you from doing something too that you don't see what that bad process could have done, you know. Um, I I had a point where I was balanced at the time and move out, be on my own, be my own man, cause I'm, cause I'm smart enough and I had I had all the knowledge in the world. I was 20 years old, by the way. I was, I'm sorry, I was 19 years old. So yeah, I didn't even hit the 20s, and I thought I knew everything. So, um, you know, God, God stopped up. I broke my hand playing basketball, and I just thought it, I thought it was just me, uh, just getting injured. You know, I didn't. I, I was just like, man, broke my hand. You know, I was about to move out. I went through the whole process, just about to move out. And I was actually two weeks away from moving out and moving into an apartment and just playing ball with one of my buddies. And then I trip and fall, break my hand. And I'm like, well, that stinks. Well, then someone's like, well, how are you going to move out with just one hand? And I'm thinking, huh. That's a good point. <laughs> you know? He put he put that 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 uh, issue in front of me to stop me from doing something that wasn't good for me, and that healing process that took about three months. Nope, I think it was actually six months, six months just about for my wrist to fully heal because he said it should be good in about three months. Three months period come around, and the doctor was like. No, you need to keep that cast on. Cause the, by the way, I never did mention this cast I had on. You remember it? Yeah, I remember. It had a, it had a sock material that I had to keep from this, and it was a plastic cast. But the sock materials keep it from just rubbing my skin raw. Mm-hmm. And also, I literally could not use my hand. Only thing I could do was just move my four fingers. My thumb could not move because it was all the way up to my thumb. And the, the bone I broke was connected to my thumb. So if I moved it, I could potentially ruin my hand. And so I had to wear that three months. And they told me no, wear it longer. Four months. A little bit longer, five months. Let's just go one more month and see how it goes. And then that last month finally healed enough to where he said, you can take it off, just, you know, take it easy. And so I was thinking, why did it take so long? You know, I don't know, maybe it's just a point to where a guy was like, you could have suffered longer if you moved out than what you did with that broke hand. (laughs) You, you, you're, you're grand grandfather, grandpa, pepa, whatever, I call my pepa. Yeah, I call him pepa. Yeah. Clyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, we was going through a situation with Preston, and it was really a miracle, really. But anyways, Brother Clyde caught me down here in the foyer after church one night. He said, the Lord told me to tell you that your situation don't close doors, they open doors. We had Preston in some very extensive therapy really helping him. And it was a miracle, really, how we got it, how we got accepted. Well, it wouldn't be like, it was that week, if I ain't mistaken, like that Tuesday, they called Allison and said that uh, he can no longer come because there's been some changes made. And she was all upset, and I was upset. But I didn't show it as much because I was on the other line, and I was just thinking, I was like, Lord, have mercy. You know, we can't win for losing type deal. And uh, instantly, the Lord quickened to my memory, Brother Clyde, and I and I texted Allison. I said, you remember Brother, you know, I said, you remember Brother Clyde, give me a word. She goes, yeah. I said, 
our situation don't close doors, they open doors. And it was a long period of time that she said, thank you for that. I needed to hear that. And the Lord had already given, and that's the thing, you know, I'm just kind of piggybacking off of the Lord taking care of you. He also do it in other ways like that. He'll give you a word of encouragement so when it hits you, if you'll just think back and say, yep, the Lord don't warn me of it, but it's okay. Yeah. Because only God can do that. See, and if anybody's listening, I would like, you know, if something's happened to you and, and somebody's told you something and, and something happens, that was God. Only God can do that. And I love that. When somebody comes up to me and tells me, speaks to me, and I know that only God told them because I ain't told nobody, I mean, to me, that just really, that really, that's a tearjerker because that's how much he loves us. He's not doing this to toy with us. Yeah. He's doing this to, to build us that we can, why he tarries, we can help advance this kingdom and ultimately our soul can be saved. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's good how God just, you know, just got and give us a little, yeah. just a little, um, I wouldn't call it a punch of encouragement, but like, you know, just a little, little, little hit on the arm. Like, hey man, you got this. Exactly. I got this. We got this. I see. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't see. <clears throat> All you know is what you see and what you hear. I see it. Mm -hmm. God said, I know the beginning from the ending. Yeah. And he said, I'm the same yesterday. I'm the same today. And I'm the same forever. Yeah. So when I know that he's the same, and if he done it for Noah, and he done it for David, and he did it for Joseph, and he did it for all of our Old Testament patriarchs, he's still in the business yeah. of the process of making us what he wants us to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's awesome just to think. I mean, if you just, a lot of times we just reflect back to the processes that we've been through. And we've been developed, you know, the men that we are. It's kind of thing, what if God never touched us? Uh, how, how low would I be if God hadn't came into my life? I'd probably be in jail, up in drugs, something. Uh, I ain't no telling where I'd be. Because I, was, I, I wasn't intending on staying, staying here in church, being involved in this church. I never planned on it. I'd have never... I didn't ever care about it. I mean, I mean, I played. I'm not against sports. I, when I played basketball back in high school, I uh, didn't really care about church. I was so. Let me tell you something. I was set. I'm going to the NBA. I thought I, I thought I could make it. <laughs> five six five six. White boy. Little, well, <laughs> Filipino boy. <Yeah. laughs> if I I thought my little short self could do it. I mean, Isaiah Thomas does it. The, the the current one and you know so I figured I could do it anyway so I was just so so set on set set on basketball that's all I cared about whenever I came to church I was done whenever service was over with I, I went home watched basketball videos tried to study all that junk and stuff like that Never paid off. yeah well see I went two years there and he had t my coach had told me I'm not calling my coach a liar I'm not trying to down the guy I love the guy to death he's a good he's a good guy no, I mean, he's a coach. He's got to do what he's got to do. So he he told me, he said he'd, he'd have a big role for me the next year. And I was like, okay, sweet. So I got this. I'm not going nowhere. So we tried out. Um, even if you're on the team, you have to try out. It's not like if you're on the team, you're still there. Yeah. So we tried out. And 
this is when I found out we have a sports banquet after school year's over with. So I didn't see the list of who made the cut and all that kind of stuff until the sports banquet. I had to come because that's where they present awards and stuff. And I came. That's when I found out. So I had to go to that sports banquet and be happy because I got my awards for being in sports that year. But I found out I got cut that day. And let me tell you, I cried, son. Because <laughs> I, 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 I love basketball. I still do. I mean, but I loved it too much. And I didn't see why I got cut. I was like, I was like, I'm good. Why did I get cut? Why did he cut me? I'm all that kind of junk. And my papa told me, he said, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Ain't the end of the world, really. And he said this. He goes, well, I mean, he told me this. He said, now you get to go to a lot of youth things now at church. I was thinking, I don't care about that stuff. I don't want to go there. And I thought about it. I started going. I actually enjoyed it. Yep. And I was like, I'm okay. I don't need basketball. And I realized I had turned basketball into a god. And the one god was letting me know that that sport is no god. And it shouldn't be no god to anyone. And he, you know, that, it's, it's a good thing that I got cut. I mean, I, I, I think I probably could have went to college or something, maybe. I mean, I probably wouldn't have went to the NBA, but I probably went to college or something just to uh, have fun for a little bit, but it would have ended up, amounted up to nothing. Your soul yeah. would have been saved. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be in church had I stayed on the team, probably. This, More than likely. That's why testimonies, you can go to giving your testimony. Like I think we're seeing it here today is just a, as 45 minutes or whatever. You start telling what the Lord done for you in this one situation, then all of a sudden, you start saying, hang on, I, I got another one. Another oh, I one. got another one. Mm -hmm. And it builds your faith. Yeah. And then you start to trust the process again. If the devil can sidetrack you, you forget about what God's done for you. Yeah. And because we're, 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 we go off five senses. That's how God made us. Mm -hmm. That's why faith and trust is such a big deal. That's why the devil attacks it so much. But I can tell you what, if you just give Lord a chance and just stick with him, I promise you, he'll shake hell to get your attention. About Lou. I'm still here, buddy. Yeah. Cause I can, man. I can, man. It's so. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. I can remember a time I was low, and I, matter of fact, my mama was sick, so my wife went with her, and I had Preston, and I wasn't even gonna come to church, cause it's hard to come to church. And I, I was sitting on my steps. And I said, you know, I was justified. And this is something so small. I was sitting on the steps of my house, and I said, you know, if the Wednesday night service be easy to miss, and the Lord quickened that scripture, I know it was the Lord. He said, welcome in my good and my faithful servant. It ain't welcome in thy great conference preacher. So I went there and got ready, and I put Preston in the truck, and he fell asleep. I got him out of the truck, carried him up here. He's still asleep. And I was just going through some low times like humans get. And I'll never forget, I said, Lord, if you love me, I need to know. And, man, I'm telling you, I felt it. This is real as you can get. The strongest presence of God just come right there with me. It's like he touched my shoulder. I just started crying like I couldn't quit crying. And uh, it's, little bitty th it's little bitty things like that that keep you holding on. Mm -hmm. And in the reverse can be said also, Solomon said, the little foxes spoil the vine. So it's them little bitty things at work that don't matter. The hell of me, it won't matter. More, won't matter a week from now, more or less, ten years from now. But you'll get to thinking on them things, and it'll put you in a bad mood. It'll give you a stinking spirit. It'll 
It'll do all these things to you because the enemy used little bitty things to spoil the vine. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It ain't the big things. He ain't fishing to come at He's real subtle. He likes to use guerrilla warfare tactics. Yeah. That's why we got to know we got to have one another. We got to trust the process. Yeah. We got to trust God's got this. And if I'm here and I'm living for God right now, that God knows where I'm at. And he and he's faithful in all things. All things. All things. All things mean all things. It means everything. So I get I say that to say this. You're not too small of a person and you don't have too small of a life and your job's not too small of a job that God overlooked you. And that and that goes for anybody listening. If you're struggling with something right now, it's trust me, God knows where you're there. And just start living for him. So, yeah. so I know God knows I'm here. You start reading and praying and studying and going to church and loving God and filling yourself with things of God. And next thing you know, man, it'll be all. And I tell you, gratitude is probably the easy, best thing out of it. Yeah. Being thankful. I, because I have a problem with my jobs before, but it don't take me long to start dwelling on it. I see people that ain't got jobs. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. I got a good job. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for ever thinking about that. But back to what you were saying when my uh, my uh, my papa talked to you, just gave you a little little bit of encouragement mm-hmm. when you was going through that time. You know, it's also good if you see somebody going through a process, just to talk to them. Yeah, you know, be there for them. Yeah, we got to do thing. that, man. Yeah. So it's a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. We're not fighting a physical war; we're fighting a spiritual war. Don't let somebody feel like they're by themselves. That's right. And, you know, and I feel like as a body of believers, we're we're guilty of that more times than we should be. If you see somebody going through something, you're like, uh, I don't want to talk to them because I don't want to say something wrong or be awkward. But even just saying, hey, man, how you doing? Being a good, friend. Good to see you here. That's That little thing may just encourage them a little bit. Send them a text message. Yeah. You know, we're living in a technical technologies yeah, state. You can reach somebody just quicker than that. Hey, buddy. Been having you on my mind. Mm-hmm. Wanted to let you know I loved you. And if you ever need to talk to me, if you need anybody to talk to, I'm here. Yeah, and that's know, good. That right there, that little bit. I don't sound like much, but here I can't emphasize enough on the Bible. Put the little foxes spoil the vine. You know, then the Bible. The Bible. I don't know exactly what the scripture is, but it says, "Don't despise the day of small things." You know, so many times I think, I think the devil. I don't know if it's the devil or if it's us or what, but we give the devil too much credit. I do know that mm-hmm. he wish he could do half the stuff we. So he does. Prop him up for yeah. it. You know, it, we think if it's, well, we ain't really doing nothing for the kingdom if we ain't doing something big. We ain't teaching Sunday school. We ain't preaching. That's a lie from hell. Yeah. That is a lie from hell. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people you can touch just being godly. Yeah. And being out there. And that's what Jesus done. He just went about doing good. Yeah. So, you know. And I think we need to, and I think perspective, get the right perspective. Because in time, Bible says your gifts will make room for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly where we was going with the trust as far, I think, because like I said, you can cover such a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. But whether you're inspiring, you know you got a calling on your life or whatever, or if you're having, you know, stuff, that hardships or whatever, you trust the process because... You're going where the Creator is wanting you to go. Yeah. And I promise you, He don't make a mistake. 
And if you think he does make a mistake, just do yourself a favor and just start studying things like the little honeybee and, little, and the wasp and just little bitty things like that. And then come back and tell me, you know, that's, that's too exhaustive for me to even learn about that. That's how wise and big he is. So if you can't even figure out a honeybee, you sure can't figure out the process. Yeah. You just got to trust him mm -hmm. to know that he knows what's best for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this has been good. I know we we talked about so many different things with this, but I think we can <clears throat> kind of wind it down. Up, But I say wind it down. We may not because I'm just going to ask you one question, and then you can just say what you want with this. Um. Kind of, kind of a going out question, really. If you was to tell, if you was talking to somebody and they had to just ask you, "Hey Zach, what's your strategy for trusting God's process?" What would your answer be? I know it sounds a little cliche, and I'm gonna say something, and then we'll. I mean, I'll elaborate, of mm -hmm. course. But let go and let God have control. And I'll just use like a little. Example with my wife and myself, with our situation with our, our little boy. You know, everybody that knows knows he's got a condition, special needs. He's extremely special needs, and uh, and you know, forever we pray, and Lord, you know, you know, why, babe, please heal, la la. But I just, I've got to the point now. I just love him. I love him. I couldn't love him anymore, and I always did. That never was. There never was a lack of love. But I just realized God knows. Mm -hmm. And God can do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or imagine. And I know that as a father, as a daddy, as a priest of my home, I can't worry about it. I just got to go. Let God do what he's going to do. <clears throat> if God chooses to heal him, I'll, you'll hear me shouting from We'll, we'll know about it. We'll know about it. You better believe it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it can't be denied. God done it. If he chooses not to heal him, I got to trust him. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. But I'll never, ever let it cripple my faith and, you know, let me not trust the process. And I, and I think about, like, you know, like a strategy. You asked what a strategy is. <clears throat> and I just brought a definition of it. <clears throat> and I highlighted some things I kind of like. A strategy is a plan of action or a policy that's designed to achieve major overall aim. So could you repeat your question for the hearers again? That way they know. What's your strategy for trusting God's process? Okay, what's my strategy for trusting God's process? Well, obviously, I'm going to kind of put it in technical terms here, is there's a major overall. I don't know what that was. There, there's a major overall aim here. And what's our aim, ultimately? To get ourselves in the heaven mm -hmm. to live in eternity with the king of kings and the lord of lords so <clears throat> whatever we do here on earth is ultimately going to decide where we spend eternity and and i know there's things that we've done that we may you know there's there, what, what they call there's a permissive will of god and there's an omissive will of god you definitely want to be in the will of god but i'm sure that i've missed the will of god a few times in my life and he's got me, he's kept me on track. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I would like to say that for somebody, because I've struggled with this. Matter of fact, that just dropped my memory. You can think about, uh, 
I don't know if you, you may can add to it after I say this, but uh, you ever been going through something and in your mind you'd be thinking about it so much and like, the reason I'm going through it because I made a mistake. If I wouldn't have done this, if I'd have waited on God, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. <clears throat> but you can't do nothing about it because you made a decision. It's the fruit of your labor. You know, hey, be, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever from man soweth, he shall also reap. Mm-hmm. Okay? We reap what we sow all the way through this life. That's a principle God set in place, and it's never going to change. So what I would like to say to somebody, even if you've done something that you know, say, no, let's just say married. Say you married out of the will of God. You made a vow to it. Just love, just do what you're supposed to do and, and then trust the process. Trust him that he's going to get you through it. You know, and that's just, a, I mean, that's I guess that's a pretty big deal. I mean, obviously it is a big deal, but it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people quit or oil field term, drag up on God because they feel like they made a mistake that they can't go back and fix, and they may not be able to. However, God will forgive you, and he'll wipe them sins away, and then he can put you in his process. He can put you on his wheel, the potter's wheel, and if you'll trust him, he'll help you. He'll help old, old wounds heal, and he'll get you going on the right path. But we got to... We got to rebuke that spirit of blame and you know distrust because it it, it will it will cripple our walk with God and absolutely one hundred percent. It's just it's just a matter of really just basically just accepting it, accepting God's process. Now that's e- that's easier said than done because yep. I mean if I if 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 if, uh, if I was to just say this. In one t- in one sentence, it's just like how to trust God's processes, accept it. Now, most of the time, most people don't accept it, and they try to reject it for a long while, and then just come to terms where you just let it go. Now, I know that's difficult for some people because it's either the trust part or just don't want to wait that long. So, but I'm telling you, if you do, if you do, you'll see the end result. Yes. Now, Absolutely. you know, you don't always have to be so set on seeing it I mean you know some people say just distract yourself from how bad stuff are whether you know yeah I don't I don't think you can really do that it's, it's very difficult because you can't it's, it's always consuming your brain yeah. consuming your life and I mean surround yourself with godly people surround yourself go to church go to church <laughs> if, worship yeah you know worship God for through, through, through the bad and through the good you know, um, worship him every day because he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of your certain, regardless of your present circumstances, that don't change the fact that God's good and He's worthy of all the praise and worship. Kind of like Job, you know, people say uh, everything. Uh, I don't remember the exact order, but his whole family died, lost all of his mm-hmm. his cattle, right? Yeah, everything. 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 And then someone came and says, "What are you going to do?" And he fell to the ground and he started worshiping God. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was one time his wife said, Job, you've sinned, you might as well curse God and die. He told her, he said, you speak like a foolish woman. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Job, Job said that, you know, Job, is his famous words that said, though he slayed me, mm-hmm. I still trust him. I heard something said that, that would go good with this this topic. Brother George Glass Sr., I love listening to him. He may not be your style. And I, I mean, not every preacher's our style. <clears throat> so if you listen to him on a podcast, obviously you're going to listen to 
or whatever. <clears throat> you go, if you're listening to them on your own device, on your own time, you're going to listen to somebody that you really enjoy to hear speak. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But he spoke of something one time that touched me dearly and deeply, and, it, and, and it's never left me. And he talked about, it's, gonna be a, it's not going to be long, but I just want to kind of, that way people hear me, I can make a point. He had a, he had a brother, elder brother in his church, and that brother's wife, and then Brother Glass and his wife, excuse me, they went out and ate supper one night, or dinner one night together. And uh, he had a pretty yard, apparently, planted flowers and whatnot. And he, he asked Brother Glass, would he come by there? And they went by there, and they spent the evening admired his landscape in his yard and Brother Glass and Sister Glass went home and got a phone call that night. He had a massive heart attack. Mm. That man did. And he never was right since. His wife had to get up, put his clothes on him. I mean, he could get up and walk around, but it was very minimal movement. I'm talking about like go up to, from my understanding, go from the bed to the living room or, you know, maybe get a cup of coffee or whatever. Very, very minimal. But as far as going out to church or whatnot, his wife had to do it. She had a great burden on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but she was at church every service with that man. And one night he fell asleep while Brother Glass was preaching. And I'm guessing he may have been snoring a little bit. I don't know. And she was trying to nudge him and wake him up. And he was on the pulpit. He said, don't touch him. Let him sleep. I'll never forget this. And when he said this, I just went thinking about all, and I've never forgot it. He said, the Lord using him as a testimony against some of you. And, or, and this is what he meant. He said, this man's had a massive heart attack. And his, him and his wife are a church, faithful to the house of God, to serve their God, no matter what their circumstances is. And some of you that's healthy can't make it to church regularly. He said, the Lord has used this as a testimony against you. And I got to thinking all the way back, man. You go to Job, Noah, Abraham, David, Joseph, Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jeremiah, I mean, Ezekiel, Elijah, Elisha, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Nathaniel, Thomas, Stephen, Paul, Paulus, Priscilla, Aquila, uh, Luke, Theophilus, I mean, all the great ones, John the Revelator, they're a testimony against us. If you look at their lifestyle, they trusted God fully. They made God their center. God made their circumference. They trusted the process and the strategy, and ultimately they've made it. Yeah. Where we're achieving to make it. So on my worst day, with, with whatever my situation is, I hadn't been put on the Isle of Patmos and boiled, left for dead. Mm -hmm. I have not been crucified. History says that Peter was crucified upside down. down. I have not been crucified upside down. I wasn't shamed and humiliated like Jesus Christ was. So on my worst day, it's still a very, very, very good day. Yeah. And I say that because most of the times, if you'll think back, what made your day work bad? It was little bitty things and little bitty thoughts that you kept dwelling on when you could have replaced them with some thoughts we're talking about now with some scripture or singing a good good Holy Ghost moving song. Mm -hmm. But yet, it feels good to the flesh to be on a pity party. 
Yeah. Don't it? Yeah. It's almost like you just want to be wanna, mad. You want to be mad. You want you want to feel pity. Somebody tells me, just calm down. Think about what yeah. God. I don't want to calm down. I want to be mad. Yeah. That's how I am. I want to be mad about stuff. What I do to deserve it? Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about it, kind of gets scary when you think about it. Well, what did what did John the Revelator do to be put on the Isle of Patmos? He's just preaching the gospel. So, I mean, trust the process. Yeah. And when I say trust the process, my strategy for trusting God is to let go and let God do it. No matter what my situation is, I've repented of my sins. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of my sin. I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I try to live a holy life. I don't know. I'm human. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'll never be perfect. I try to be the priest in my home. <clears throat> I try to do things, and there's things like presence can do. That's stuff we didn't have control over, but God can we, I just trust him, man. I love yeah. him. I believe him. I love him. And though I do have bad days, I admit that. You know, <clears throat> if somebody judged me off this bad podcast, I'm not, I don't have a halo over my head by all means. But what I'm saying is, is he ain't made a mistake. Yeah. We made mistakes. He had. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And whenever I say let go and let God, I know that's a play on words, and I know that's. Seems like a cheap way out of this conversation, but honest to God, if you'll sit down and give some good thought to that, you just let go of it. Quit worrying about it. You can't change. Bible, words, words of Bible say, what's that scripture? It said, you, who can change a cubit of his stature by worrying? Not a narrow one of us. Yeah. I got gray hair, man. In, in 10 years, I'll be fully white-headed. I ain't nothing I can do about that. I could go get some stinking hair. I ain't doing that, but I, I can't change it. So why worry about it? Yeah. It's the same way with God. There's some things I have no control over. The only thing I have control over is my reaction to how I react to those things and how I leave my, live my life and lead my family and how I love my God. Mm-hmm. If I can keep those three things together in right order, it don't matter. It don't matter. Nothing else matters, man. Yeah. What's, what it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So ultimately, we're in this thing to do one thing, to help advance the kingdom for God's glory. And the only way we can honestly really do that, other than being saved and godly, is what? Trusting. Trusting. Well, I don't think I can really add on to that. You pretty much hit that out of the park. But, uh, but um, you know, just like you said, let go and let God. It's good. This this has been good, man. Uh, I do want to thank you again for having you on here. Um, I look forward to having you here again, maybe. Maybe later on, later in life or something. Yeah, anytime, man. I I tell you what, we'll do it here since we're on air. Whenever the Lord touches Preston, you can have me on for a testimony. All right. We'll get you on there. I guess we're going to close this out. Thank you all to everyone who uh, took the time to listen to this. Um, You can catch us on YouTube and uh, if you've been keeping up with us, you know it's now on iTunes, so just be on the lookout for that. But all in all, thank you all. Thank you.